Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your joy. You guys can play your instruments too. Got them right here. <laughs> I won't be like Justin Bieber and tell you not to clap if you can't clap on beat. It's all right. the joy of the Lord to come down, want the joy of the Lord to fall now, want the joy of the Lord in my life. I want the joy of the Lord to lift me, want the joy of the Lord to change me, I want the joy of the Lord in my life. It's time I started dancing over all these
idolatry. Lord, we want nothing. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our might, all our strength, Lord. Even things that look good, Father, things that we, the world would think are good, if we put it before you, Father, it's not. You are our first, our last, our everything. The author of our salvation, the lover of our 
Baby. 
greater than all you've overcome. Lord, let us not put, if there's sickness that we're dealing with, that does not, it's not higher than you, Lord. You've overcome that. Financial problems, you've defeated that, Lord. You have given us victory in every realm, Lord. Whatever it is, if there is a spiritual attack on us right now, take control of our lives, we become overcomers through the power of the Spirit of the living God that rests within us. We thank you, Father, for that power that's in our lives. Your word said it's the same power that you used to raise Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So there is nothing that we cannot overcome. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Father, today, as we gather together, I just, I thank you for the promises in your word. And one of those promises is that you would meet our needs. Jesus told us not to fear. Don't fear what you're gonna wear. Don't fear what you're going to eat. He takes care of all of the, the animals. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He said, don't worry about those things. My heavenly Father knows that you need them. So that means, Father, that giving into your kingdom and being a part of giving and using our resources to give into your kingdom there should be nothing holding us back from giving to you generously because we have no fear of want we have no fear of want so we ask you to bless our tithes our and our gifts today father receive them from us from grateful hearts for all that you've done for us and what we want to see you do to those who have yet to, found, to have found that grace that you give to us so freely. In Jesus' name, amen.
forgot that. Let's, let's just say, Lord, I just thank you for our time together today, and I just pray that you'll open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we um, began our uh, looking at our third value, and, uh, and that value was we value heartfelt worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. And we talked about we cannot worship what we are not in awe of. We cannot worship what we are not in awe of. Um, the Bible says how uh, evil and bitter it is when we forsake the Lord and are not in awe of Him. Now, worship is one of those things that the Bible speaks about, but it, it, it's not necessarily vague in, in how it presents worship. Obviously, worship is only to be directed to the Lord our God. There, that, that, that's true. Worship is only to be directed toward Him. But how that worship is carried out is there are numbers of different ways that that's done in the Scriptures. There were times when, when God's people fell on their faces uh, to worship Him. Um, there were times when they, near, they just simply bowed, bowed low and worshipped Him. Um, there were times when hands were raised in worship to Him. There were times when they were not. There was times when songs were sung and used as, as worship, and then there were other times when, when they were not. And so... I want to talk about another aspect of worship because when you are in today, because when you are in awe of someone as we are to be of God, then it is, it's almost a natural thing that we would begin to, to praise Him and to uh, exalt Him and to lift Him up. And... <clears throat> The word praise and the word worship carry with it the idea of something that is of value or something that has worth to it. As a matter of fact, it is, it is not improper to use the term when you talk about worship to talk about worth-ship. worth in other words, you are ascribing worth to, to God. The word praise comes from a Latin word which means to have value or to have worth. So it's, it's hard to draw a line and say this is worship and this is praise. It, it's, it's like the, the, the t you, you can obviously praise something or someone without worshiping them. In other words, you know, I can, uh, I can say to uh, someone, oh, you really did a good job. That's a, that's a word of praise. But I'm not worshiping them. 
But it's hard to worship someone without praising them. It's hard to worship God without praising Him. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, <coughs> chapter 4, listen to what uh, is said there. Revelation chapter 4, 11, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have... For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. In chapter 5 of Revelation, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So you can... You can praise God and you can praise Jesus and you can ascribe to them um, honor and glory and praise and you will not overdo it because they are worthy to receive that. They deserve that. They, are, they have that coming. And so... I want, to, I want to talk a little bit today about this idea of praise and how it relates to our, our attitude of worship and, and praise to God. Even the angels are commanded to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Even those things which we would consider to be, in a sense, inanimate, are, are called upon. Listen to this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the, works of, the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their word to the ends of the earth. Now, we know that the stars don't speak. We know that the earth doesn't speak. We know that uh, the planets don't speak, the moon and the sun don't speak, but the idea that they, the, the very idea that you would look up into the heavens and you would see them, their very presence declares that somebody put them there. Their very, their very presence and the order by which they are there says someone did that. And the psalmist here says the heavens are declaring the glory of God. When you and I come to a place where, where we realize I say, I want to use the word important, but I do not want to make it sound like 
the very well-being of God depends on whether or not you and I worship and praise Him. It does not, but our well-being certainly does. But when, when, we be, when we come to the place where we want to... We can't help it. Do you understand? This is where, this is where God wants to take us, folks. He wants to take us to the point and He wants us to be in relationship with Him to the point we can't stop. You, you, you understand? What, we, it's not that we lose control. Okay? I don't believe that there's, I don't believe that there's a time and I believe the Bible bears us up in that. There, there's not a time when, when we're out of control in our, in our praise and our worship. I don't, I don't think that we're ever at the point where I, I can't stop what I'm doing. It's a matter of I don't want to stop. But it's not that I, I can't because I'm just... Something is controlling me. We are always in control. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. But here we begin and we, 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 we hear the psalmist and the psalmist is saying things like, you know, I, I'm just so overwhelmed by the majesty and the the incredible nature of God that I, that I, I have to praise Him. I, I look at around me and I, I can't help myself. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh Lord my God, You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps Himself in light as with a garment. In Psalms 34, He says... I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Why? Because I'm so overwhelmed by, the, by who God is and what He has done for me. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't help it. I've got His praise is always going to be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. That's what we come together for here on a Sunday morning. We come together, what? To exalt His name together. In Psalms 103, he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise His holy name. From down in the deepest depths of my spirit comes my praise for the Lord. He goes on to say, I didn't put it up there, but he goes on to say there, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all of our sins and who heals all of our diseases. In Psalms 106, who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord? 
or fully declare his praise. Now that just tells me that, and I, and I don't want this to be a discouragement, I want it to be an encouragement to you, but it doesn't matter, and, and this, is, this is exciting to me, I can't fully proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord. That's just a fact. I can't. Now, I can either take that and say, well, since I can't proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord, I won't even try. No. We try to proclaim the mighty acts of God. We, who can fully declare His praise? We can't. The, the, that's, a, that's almost like a rhetorical question. Who can do that? Well, well no one can. So if we cannot fully declare his praise, then there will always be room for us to continue to declare his praise. Hello? In other words, we're not ever going to get to the point where we say, I, I, I think I've praised God enough. I, I think that I've arrived at a place where I don't need to praise God anymore because I've prayed. No, no, we're never going to get to that point. So there's always room for us to praise Him more. The psalmist says, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart, I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. I speak about it. I talk about it. I can't help myself because you are so wonderful. Now, There is a, I believe, and I'm just going to pause before I get into the, the, the last few verses that I have up here. And I'm going to, I'm going to say something, some things here, and, um, and you may or may not agree with me, but, it, but it's okay. Uh, we'll just agree to disagree, or we'll just we'll talk about something else. Um, but I believe... I believe that there are numbers of ways to worship God. There are, well, let me, let me back that up. The Bible says in Hebrews that um, we need to worship God with, uh, with fear and awe because our God is a consuming fire. Okay? We need to... We need, to, we need to worship our God acceptably. Okay? So that would tell me that there's an acceptable way to worship God and there's an unacceptable way to worship God. So the, the idea that we are worshiping God, is it possible then that there are different ways 
to acceptably worship God. In other words, there isn't just this one, one way that all the believers all around the world have got to worship God in this one way. And I'm talking about, I'm talking more about outward manifestations, outward actions. In other words, when we worship God, do we all have to sit? When we worship God, do we all have to stand? When we worship God, do we all have to raise our hands? When we worship God, do we all need to keep our hands down? When we worship God, do we all have to close our eyes? Should we all keep our eyes open? When we worship God, should there, should there be other outward expressions? Well, here, here's, my, here's my sense of feeling on that. Should, oh, should we only sing hymns? Should we only sing choruses? Should we only sing the first and last verse of a hymn? Should we sing all four? You, 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 see, you see how all, all of that works, how all of that... Now, if you, if you go to a certain church, certain churches, okay, you will, and, and I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to name things because I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pick on a denomination. But if you go to certain churches, their worship is done in a certain way. Is that wrong? No. You, you, you can, you can go to some churches where, um, all they do is sing hymns. Is that wrong? No. You'll go to other churches where all they do is sing choruses. Is that wrong? No. They'll go to some churches where you stand to sing a hymn, you only sing the first and last verse. Okay? I don't know what it is about verse 2 and verse 3 that really have a problem. No, I'm not. we did that in my church where I grew up all the time. We're going to stand and sing, we sing the first and last verse. There are places that you will go to worship and the moment that people rise to sing, everybody has their hands up. Is that wrong? No. There are places where you go to and everybody will stand up to worship and nobody raises their hand. Is that wrong? No. So what determines how people worship? What, what determines the outward manifestations of how people worship? I think a lot of it has to do with the, the, the DNA of the congregation. The, the DNA of, and the makeup of the people of the congregation. There are, there are certain things that they, that they feel comfortable doing and then there are some things they don't feel comfortable doing. And if they don't feel comfortable doing it, they, should not be, they shouldn't be forced to do it. Now, Jesus, Jesus gave us some, 
shed some real light on this for us. And I, want to, and I want to talk about that for the last few minutes that we're here together. I want to talk about what Jesus had to say. Because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent on listening to what Jesus said. Okay? Huge proponent on listening to what Jesus I think Jesus, well, Jesus told Pilate, he goes, you know what? He goes, the reason I came into the world was to testify to the truth. Everyone who loves the truth listens to me. I love the truth. I do. I love the truth because the truth is always the truth. It's not true today and then tomorrow there's a different circumstance and now all of a sudden, well, that's not true. Of course, yeah, it's always true. So, I think when Jesus gives us some instructions and he tells us some things, I think it's important that we listen to him and that we, and that we try to break it down and we try to figure out what's going on. So Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman, which was like the most taboo thing he could have done. But you know what? Jesus didn't care about what was taboo and what wasn't by the, the religious leaders of his day. He wanted to do what was right. And so he was talking to this Samaritan woman, this, what other people called a half-breed, or dogs, they called them. They were, they were lower than pond scum. They were looked down upon with every bit of disdain that a good Jewish person could muster. And Jesus was sitting here talking to this woman, and she got the sense that in his, in his talking to her, she got the sense and she, that he was a prophet. And she said, sir, I can see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, which was Mount Gerizim. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, she was right. Because back in the Old Testament, God set it up and said, you, you will only worship me in Jerusalem. That's the place where you can come. Now, little towns had their synagogues and they would, they would come together and they would read the Scriptures. But if you wanted to worship God, if you wanted to offer a sacrifice, if you wanted to give a thank offering, uh, if, you, if you wanted to do any of those things, you couldn't set up an altar in your backyard and invite your friends over and say, hey, B-Y-O-L, bring your own lamb. Okay? And we're going to get together and we're going to sacrifice these lambs and worship the Lord our God. God says, no, you're not going to do that. He said, you will worship me in Jerusalem and it will be led by those people who I designate to be the priests who are who I have approved of and who I have said, these are the people who will lead my people in worship. And the reason he did that was because if he allowed, if he allowed 
worship to take place behind every person's house or in every particular community, it wouldn't be long before they were worshiping and doing things in worship that were unacceptable to him. Because they, they had no guide. They had no, they had no reference point. The next thing you know, they, they would be doing other things that were not considered to be acceptable worship. Oh, we're fresh out of perfect lambs. Let's use an imperfect lamb. Oh, no, 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 no. Unacceptable. I know, I know. But it's better that we sacrifice the the damaged lamb than have no sacrifice at all. No, it's not. No, no, it isn't. It has to be perfect. Do you, do, but do you see how that, how that, you could begin to follow that trail? That's why God said, this is where you worship, in Jerusalem. You do it my way. You come to me my way. So, the woman was right. You Jews, you claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Yes, that was what the Father said. So now, Jesus responds to that. Because here here are these Samaritans who are unwelcome in Jerusalem. How are we going to, how are we If I want to worship in Jerusalem as a Samaritan, I want to worship the true God. I want to to sacrifice to the true God. I I want to give Him a thank offering. How do I do it? I'm not welcome in Jerusalem. So they worshiped on another mountain. They worshiped on Mount Gerizim. Jesus responds to her dilemma. And he opens up for us this this path to to worshiping God. How is it proper for us to worship God? Jesus declared, believe me, woman. See, honey, when I call you woman, that's scriptural. I only do that when I, when I want to get the look. I haven't had the look in a while. I go, woman? <laughs> She'll just kind of give me the look, and I go, okay. She's awake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> believe me, woman, <laughs> a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain, you ready for it? Nor in Jerusalem. You will worship the Lord, you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. There's coming a time when you won't worship God in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. We get it. God God called us. God made His Scriptures known to us. God opened up His way to us. And then he says this, yet a time is coming and has now come, or it's already here, when true worshipers, 
Okay? So now the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I want to be a true worshiper? Okay? Do I want to be a true worshiper? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Okay? The Father is seeking after true worshipers. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, What does that all mean? What does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? It's interesting that that word spirit is not capitalized. But God is a spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Those are going to be the true, the true worshipers. Now listen. Jesus refers to this passage of Scripture. It's from the book of Isaiah, but he refers to it at one time in his, in his teachings. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But... Their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. What a powerful passage of Scripture. What an eye-opening passage of Scripture. Listen, these people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. What what, What are we... What are we hearing there? Those people were talking good things about God. They were talking, they were actually giving praise to God. They were actually coming and saying, well, they honor me with their lips. The problem is, their hearts are far from me. Now, now Jesus used that he quoted that passage, passage of Scripture when he was talking about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the things that they did, um, how, they, how they would say one thing and they would, and they would do another. They, they were sticklers for the law, but then they would break the law over here. And he said, these, Isaiah was right. These people come to me, come near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So I'm going to ask you a question. Their worship of me is made up of only rules taught by men. I'm going to ask you a question. Is it possible to worship God if your heart is far from Him? No, it's not possible. Words don't mean anything. 
words don't mean anything to God if the words that we're speaking are not coming from our heart. So when we want to worship God, when we want to worship God, it's immaterial to God. Um, it doesn't matter to God what the external manifestations of your worship are. The only thing that would matter about your external manifestations would be how comfortable they might make other people around you feel. And I think that's important as well. Because if what we do externally disturbs someone else who's worshiping in a different way, I think, there, I think that's a difficulty. If I decide, I, I don't know, I'm just going to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in a service where somebody, and this happened more in the old days than it does now, but it, 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 they got up and they literally would run around the sanctuary screaming and yelling. Hey, ever been in a service like that? Yeah, I have two. I have two. You know what happened when that took place? Now, I'm not, I'm not judging the heart of the individual that was doing the running. Okay? I'm not judging the heart of the individual. But the focus in the service shifted from God to the person running around the sanctuary. It was inevitable. You understand what I'm saying? It's just, it just inevitable. Somebody's running around the sanctuary screaming at the top of their lungs and they may, be, they may be praising God, but the shift in focus went from, from God to the individual that was doing all, everything else. So when we do things in the service that, that are outwardly visible and they distract from what the, where the focus of the people should be, it may be something that's very moving for us, but it may, if it distracts and shifts the focus, then we, we should reconsider that. Because I think our worship comes, our worship comes from, our, from the depths of our spirit. We are overwhelmed by the awesomeness of our God. We are overwhelmed by His majesty and His power. We are overwhelmed by His incredible mercy and grace to us. And, that, and that's why I tell you you, 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 you cannot simply walk inside the doors of this building on a Sunday morning and as you walk through those double doors in the back of the sanctuary, you are suddenly in an atmosphere of worship. It doesn't work that way. The, uh, the attitude of the heart and the, the, the idea of being in a spirit of worship st starts when your eyes open up. And you, you simply come into this place your heart is already ready. Your heart is already full. Your heart is already 
bursting at the seams to come before your Lord and with others who are like-minded and you want to express to your God how much you love Him, how important He is to you, how you could not live without Him, how majestic and powerful He is, and how marvelous His grace has been to you to even let you live this long and breathe one more breath of His air so that you could stay alive to worship and praise Him. That, that's what we come together to do. And that comes, that comes from, a, from a pure heart. It comes from a heart that is filled with the Spirit of God. That is filled with all of the things that He has done. Listen, what happens? Um, <clears throat> Paul talked about that. He said, for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God. We, we, have, we glorify Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. We, we exchange the glory of the immortal God. How do we worship God? We worship God in spirit and in truth. We hear the truth about God. We know the truth about God. We are exposed to the truth about God. We we, we read passages of Scripture like the one we read earlier that said the heavens declare the glory of God and we look around us and, and we are overwhelmed. Do you ever just look around you and just get overwhelmed by what you see? I, there are, every place has its own beauty. Every place has its own majesty. I, I will never forget when uh, the first time that, that Mary and I um, went to Alaska. And we just were absolutely if you've never been there, um, pictures, pictures you, you see beautiful pictures, you can watch it on television, you can even watch it on surround sound, but I'm going to tell you what, when you are there, you just, you, you just stand there with your mouth open. It's amazing. <clears throat> A few years ago, we had never been, I had never been, neither had Mary, and I told her, I said, one of the things, I, it's on my bucket list, is I, I want to see the Grand Canyon. So we flew out west a few years ago on our anniversary, and we, we went 
um, we went out to the Grand Canyon. We took a helicopter ride down to the bottom of the canyon, and that was pretty cool. And then, but the helicopter ride was just a helicopter ride. Then we went to this place called uh, Guana Point. Guana Point. You know what guana is? Guana, guana is a fancy name for bat fertilizer. Okay, bat, and there's a cave there where they literally mined, they literally mined guava or guana. They literally mined it and they had cables going across the canyon and they would bring it over to the one side and they, and they would use it as fertilizer, but there was a huge cave there. And there's this huge rock pile that, that's there on this point that goes out into probably a couple of hundred yards out into the canyon and you can climb up to the top of this rock pile and I, I went up there and Mary didn't feel like making the, that that because it's a lot of climbing on rocks and I sat up there on the top of that and I, I, just, I just couldn't stop looking around. It, it's, and you just look at that and you go, God, you did this. You made this. And then I'm looking across the way and there is this wall, this canyon wall that all these different layers and colors and just amazing things and this helicopter. I hear this noise and I look across and, and by the way, the canyon is 4,000 feet deep there. The Colorado River is down there and it looks like this little little tiny stream, 4,000 feet down. So there's 4,000 feet of canyon wall, and I hear this noise, and I look across, and I see this shadow of a helicopter going by, and this helicopter looks like a mosquito in front of this enormous wall of the canyon. And I just, I just sat up there, and I couldn't... I simply could not, I wanted to stand up and I'd have chased other people away. I wanted to just stand up and sing How Great Thou Art. <laughs> I sang it to myself, you know, but, but, but you, under, you understand what I'm saying is that you, you, you look around that, see, day after day, the Bible says, the, the things of this earth, the things that God has created, pours forth speech. The, the canyon walls were screaming about their creator. The depths of the canyon was screaming about the creator. The snow-capped mountains in Alaska were screaming about their creator. They were pouring forth speech. You can just go out here just a, a couple of miles and you'll hit the beach. And if you climb in a boat, you can, in, in 20 or 30 minutes, you can be away from and will not see land. And you will know that underneath the surface of that water is another whole world that God created. He created it all. And in some place, it, it goes down miles and miles. Oh, 
And that God, that spirit, that spirit being, literally indwells you and I as believers. And, and if we want to worship him, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we need to do it acceptably with reverence and awe. For he is worthy to receive praise and honor and glory and majesty. Let's pray. Gracious Father, forgive us if we fail to praise you and worship you enough. For you are certainly worthy of all of our praise. Who can? Who can declare the works of your hands? How do we adequately do that? Father, we thank you today that in spite of our shortcomings in showing forth your praise, your graciousness to us, you come into us and you fill us with your Spirit who can give us the ability to praise you and worship you in a way that will be pleasing to you. For it comes from a heart that is, that is broken and mindful of how needful we are of you. And I pray, Lord, that from this moment on we will not be quite as concerned with those things that are external that go with worship. But that we would be concerned that our worship is coming from the depths of our being. That we would not be people who simply come near to you with our, with our mouth and honor you with our lips. But our heart is far from you. Far be it from us to be that way. We honor you today, Father. We glorify you. We praise you. We extol you. We exalt you. We lift you up. There is no one like you. There is no one even comes close. All other gods are false gods. All other worship is undeserved. Worship that goes to someone other than you is undeserved. Only you are worthy of our worship and praise.
Father, today we, before we close the service, we want to pray for for Gina's uncle. And Father, we know that he is, um, his health is not good. And unless you touch him by your powerful healing hand, he will probably pass from this life into the next. And that's okay as long as he knows you. As long as his heart has been changed by your precious spirit. Gina's not sure of that. and She's going to go and see him. And Father, I just pray that as she visits him on Thursday that you will have his heart prepared and ready to listen, to hear the truth that will set him free. And if that can't happen, Father, I pray that you'll send some to him right now, today. But we're asking that you would allow Gina the opportunity to do that. And then, Father, I want to pray for, for Valerie, and I just want to, Lord, I know that she's coming close to the end of her time at the Transitional Center. And with that, Father, I know that there are a lot of changes that take place. It's a new way to live. The word free comes to mind. But with that freedom comes the necessary right choices. So I pray for Valerie that you would help her in this time of getting ready to move back into society and just being uh, a free person. I pray, Lord, that you will direct her. I know she's planning on staying in this area and we're excited about that. And I just pray for her. I know that she's important to you and I know that you have a plan for her life and I know you have a plan for how you're going to use her in the coming years. So I just pray, Father, that you will open up her heart and her mind to see what you have. Not all at once, one step at a time. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Then I want to pray for Laura, Father. I just want to pray for her father, um, Pete, who's in hospice. And once again, Lord, if, if you don't see fit to touch him with your powerful hand, uh, he will pass from this life to, to the next. And that's, that's hard for us are going to be left behind. But I just, I pray for Laura as she leaves in the morning to, to travel to see her dad. I pray that you'll give her traveling mercies. I pray for the family 
as they, as they deal with these end-of-life issues. I pray for your strength. And somewhere in your scripture it says these words. My grace is sufficient for you. And Lord, we believe that to be true. I pray that you will give Laura and her family a peace that passes all understanding. It can only come from you. Can't come from, can't come from a husband or a mother or a brother or sister. It can only come from you. That peace that passes all understanding. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> and then, Lord, I just want to thank you for the ministries of this church. We pray for every week, and I just thank you. Pray for the EE prison ministry and the banquet that's coming up in just a few weeks. And I know this banquet is important because it's where they raise a lot of their funds. Father, I just pray that you'll fill that banquet hall with people who are like-minded, who who want to see people come to know Christ and who desire to be generous in their giving toward that goal. I, I pray for the, the upcoming um, fundraising event for Love Serves. And I ask for the same thing for them as well. That you would fill the place where they're meeting with people who are like-minded, who want to see people come to know Christ, and who want to give generously toward that goal. I thank you, Father, for the work at the, the Transitional Center, and we do, we're joining with a group of ladies there and with Chaplain Burke, and we are praying for revival there because, Father, unless your spirit moves through that place, there are a lot of girls that will go through that program and they will have a sense of false hope. That they can somehow do this on their own strength without the strength of the spirit of the living God. This cannot be. So Father, we ask for revival to come and for your name to be glorified. May they not speak of a higher power. May they name the higher power. His name is Jesus. And he's the Son of God. We pray for Todd and Shelley Marks, and we thank you for the, the rest and the rejuvenation that they're sensing in their bodies. Help that to continue, Father. Strengthen them. Encourage them. We pray for Todd as he makes a trip back to the Middle East. Lord, we pray for their, uh, for their one child who seems to be suffering from febrile seizures. We ask you to touch that little one, even at this moment, with your healing power. We pray, pray for Chris, and we just thank you, Lord, for her work in Thailand. And we pray, Lord, that you will help her to find favor with this family that, has, that was injured with this unfortunate accident. We pray that 
there will be no desire for unnecessary or excessive funds being transferred because of this accident. We pray for her favor. And Lord, we just, we prayed for this daycare, and our daycare here, and you have been so gracious to us to give us a good staff and people who want to take care of these dear children, and we just thank you for the, for what happens there each day, for your goodness to us. And now, Lord, I just pray that you'll take us from this place. Fill our hearts with your, with your fullness, with your goodness, with your spirit. And may that overflow to those that we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.